content, content marketing, thought leadership. We know that there's a relationship between these three, but just because we create content or have a content marketing strategy doesn't mean we achieve thought leadership. This episode is going to help you connect the dots to help you gain thought leadership for your business or your personal brand on this next episode of the Your Digital Marketing Coach podcast. Digital, social media, content influencer, marketing, blogging, podcasting, vlogging, TikToking, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, SEO, SEM, PPC, email marketing. Whew. There's a lot to cover. Whether you're a marketing professional, entrepreneur, or business owner, you need someone you can rely on for expert advice. Good thing you've got Neil on your side. Because Neil Schaefer is your Your digital digital marketing marketing coach. coach. Helping you grow your business with digital-first marketing, one episode at a time. This is your digital marketing coach, and this is Neil Schaefer. Hey, everybody. This is Neil Schaefer. I am your digital marketing coach, and welcome to episode number 245 of the Your Digital Marketing Coach podcast. This podcast, and really everything I do, is all about giving you clarity, strategy, and results for your digital and social media marketing efforts. Today, we're going to switch gears a little bit by not just talking about content marketing and thought leadership, but also about traditional digital media. We often think about content that we can repurpose for social media, for email, or for our blog to generate more website traffic with search engine optimization. And while we talk about leveraging collaborations and influencer relationships to help us reach a lot of our business goals, the traditional media is still something that has tremendous influence out there. And if we did not include this in everything we do with our digital marketing, I guess you could call this digital PR, we are missing a very, very big piece of the puzzle. So I'm always looking for unique guests to bring on to this podcast, and I'm really excited to bring you Rick Smith. Rick is the CEO of News USA, and he really stumbled upon something that has provided his business and the business of his clients massive results, sort of like Early in my days of LinkedIn, before I wrote my first book, Windmill Networking, Understanding, Leveraging, and Maximizing LinkedIn, I had this aha moment when I realized that if I had the most number of connections and I had a certain keyword in my profile, I would appear number one in LinkedIn search results for that keyword. Now, obviously, LinkedIn does not work that way anymore, but I was able to leverage that. And really, since then, I became sort of an expert in LinkedIn. I ended up writing two books on LinkedIn and helped a lot of professionals and a lot of businesses along the way. And I still do that. But sometimes just a little aha moment can lead to massive results. And I'm hoping that this episode might give you that sort of an aha moment for your business. So we're going to talk about how thought leadership requires a deliberate strategy. We're going to talk about the multiple tactics, but the main benefits or I should say the many benefits that you can achieve through thought leadership, and also about leveraging visibility opportunities by giving digital media, traditional media, what they can use. It's going to be a a lot of storytelling, but a lot of really, really good insight and hopefully nuggets that can provide impact for your business or your professional brand. So without further ado, here's my interview with Rick 
Smith. You're listening to Your Digital Marketing Coach. This is Neil Schaefer. Rick, welcome to the Your Digital Marketing Coach podcast. Hi, glad to be here. So Rick, you are, obviously today we're going to talk about thought leadership and and the media and and content marketing and all that. But before we do, you are the CEO and founder of News USA. And I think our listener would love to hear just about your journey, how you got to be where you are today, and obviously a little bit about News USA before we go into the interview. Got it. So I started out, I was in business school and accounting, and then I got into with Deloitte and Touche and the CPA work. And then I went out and started my own computer company. And in the process, I then looked for a product to sell. I really wanted to promote a product. So I ended up writing books. I created books on business startups, starting your own business. I created a book on getting money for your business. And I created a book on sales for your business. And with the books, it initially started out as a checklist of just how to get started in your own business because I always wanted to do that. And the checklist started, turned into sharing that checklist with other people. And then ultimately it resulted in books. And then I decided we need to promote those books and I wanted to sell the books. And it was a bit of a challenge because I first started with advertising Mm -hmm. and advertising can be very expensive. So you need an effective way to, I'd run ads and the ad cost would be this much of what I was bringing in. And in fact, what I determined very quickly is I was making sales. But I was, it was, the ad cost was too high. And I said, if I could get the ad cost down as a percentage of sales, mm-hmm. I could make money. It would be a no-brainer. So how are you going to do that? Well, I tried different things. And then somebody says, oh, send out, a, write a press release and send that out. So I created a press release and I got media lists and I got it out to all these places. And they didn't do anything with it. And I talked to them and meet with them and they said, look. I don't have time just for you to sit down and turn a press release about your book into a book review and a shot of the cover of the book and put it out to my readers. Look at the boxes of press releases I get in every day. They're going in the garbage. Right. He says, but, but I talked further and they said, if you write the article on your book, give the review on your book. And then you typeset it to the column width of my newspaper or my magazine, and you give me a shot of the cover of the book, I'll drop it in because I I want interesting stuff. I just don't have the staff. And I said, wait a sec. If you do it, do you think other newspapers would do it? And the answer was yes. And so I ended up creating, turning a book review of my own book. Mm-hmm. into an article that I then syndicated out, meaning I, I printed and mailed to a thousand newspapers and it ended up selling, helping sell over a million dollars worth of my first three titles. And they went worldwide because then I did book reviews on my second book and I did a book review. I syndicated out on my third and then I got making all these sales of the books and they're rolling out. And then my broker saw me bringing money and says, wait, how are you getting this money? You know, you're young. You're, this was a long time ago. And, so before uh, Amazon, 
before the internet, right? Before I mean, before any of that. I mean, I'm talking <laughs> like 40 years ago. So they were like, well, where are you getting all this money? And I said, well, I write the article, I syndicate it out. And he says, well, why don't you do it for our firm? We're a big brokerage firm. And he, he says, let's go back from lunch and you'll meet the VP of advertising uh, of the firm, which is like the equivalent of Merrill Lynch. Mm -hmm. And I went in and met him and I showed him what I was doing and stuff like that. They just explained it. He says, look, what would it cost to do an article? Okay. To all these newspapers across the country every week of the year. And I give him a number and he says, I spend more than that in one ad in one market. Yeah. He says, do it. I says, but you, you can't do the same article every week. We have to write new articles. So it had to be, in, and it had to be interesting copy. It had to be t tips or information because if it isn't, no one wants to read stuff. The editors don't want to put it in their paper because mm -hmm. it isn't interesting. So it had to be interesting. It had to build up credibility to firm. And that was so successful in the fact that it got in all these newspapers and people would write in, they'd be able to write in uh, to a name and address, uh, sorry, to an address for little booklets or information that we put in the articles. And it ended up, it was really great. And one day I went down to this brokerage firm and he says, I want you to see what the value of what you do is. And he grabbed a big bag of mail and he says, he then all the brokers would stop. And it was like feeding fish because he was showing them the leads of all these people that are written in, they want to know more about this type of stock or of this type of investing. And it has the name and address of the person who sent in the letter. Right. So it was pretty cool because they hand them out based on where their neighborhood is. That way the guy could say, Hey, I'm on my way home. I'll bring you the book by booklet by and let's talk. And it worked real well for them. Uh, when he moved to another firm, when the, that VP of advertising moved across the street to another firm, he insisted on carrying on with us. And, and the company grew. Was I started with $84 in an idea, and we sold out to a $300 million public company. And, and that company, News Canada, is still around to this day, doing very well. And so I then had to decide what I was going to do, and I decided to leave the business, leave Canada, and then take the News Canada concept to the U.S. and start News USA, doing the same thing. Gotcha. And because I went to New, first New York and then I moved to Washington, D.C., where I could promote it because I saw a lot of the customer base were associations and uh, nonprofits and ones who had a message, uh, a message that was really popular with the newspapers because they knew how to put out thought leadership pieces or consumer type pieces that were tips and information. It wasn't shoving uh, an ad at people. It was doing it in a way that built the credibility and helped those organizations. It also became a great tool for small business to establish credibility. So, yeah. So, Rick, let's uh, thank you so much. That's a fascinating story. And you were able to sell that much book in, I mean, it's hard enough today, but you know, we have so many digital marketing tools at our disposal. You didn't have any of that back then, obviously. No, that's, no. that's quite a success. You found a really great niche there. And I want to dig deeper into that. Obviously your business, I'm assuming has changed over the years as 
newspapers have changed. We've seen the emergence of the internet and social media and content is almost a commodity. But I want to focus on this, how content marketing can drive thought leadership because thought leadership is something that a lot of the listeners, a lot of businesses want to achieve in their industry. Nonprofits want thought leadership. Everybody sort of wants it, it to some extent. And before we hit the record button, you were saying thought leadership, first of all, requires a deliberate strategy. I tend to believe, and I think you'd agree that most companies don't have a strategy. They just want to become thought leaders. Maybe they hire PR agencies or hire yourself. Let's take a step back and why does it require deliberate strategy and what might that look like? The challenge people face is you start off by wanting to build that credibility or be that expert. Mm -hmm. So you start off, you you speak to friends, you speak to contacts, you speak to what I would call stakeholders. In other Mm -hmm. words, people in your company or in your association or in your charity or your donors or your investors, people who already know who you are. But now, and and you can do that by Zoom, you can do that by phone calls, you can do that by events that you have, but you're kind of talking to yourself. Now, how do you take it beyond that? How, and when you're now talking about about taking it beyond that, reaching people who, if they knew about you and they knew what, what you know, then it's millions of people you could engage in your mission that you haven't even begun to reach. And a lot of times it's those people, those additional people you get introduced to or you connect with that end up growing your business or growing your organization. The real challenge that content marketers or marketers of any type, digital marketers have is how do I reach more people in a credible way that is cost effective? Mm -hmm. We all go, okay, I, I get it. I'd like to reach out. I'd have more people, you know, reaching out to me and saying, okay, I'm interested in what you're doing, or I want to be part of it, or I want to join your organization. I want to donate. I want to invest. I want to, but they don't know who you are. So how do you do that? A lot of times people start with things like press releases. They'll craft the press release. They'll spam it out through whatever networks or whatever they do. And then they go, why didn't that get me the media coverage I need? Well, one, it's buried in with a hundred thousand other press releases that are time sensitive and age on and off wherever they're being distributed. And then they're not really designed to be directed at consumers. They're basically directed for journalists to then sit down and do the same thing that I had to ask people to do is here's my press release. You go invest the time to write the story from scratch and write it the way I want it. I want the control message. And it just doesn't happen that way too much. It very rare. Mm-hmm. And also, if you have a if you have a choice, if you're the journalist, you have a choice of covering this, 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 you're going to cover the biggest, best known companies. Because that makes it more interesting. You don't want to cover a wannabe. So that's one problem. And then the other is, okay, ah, I'm going to do advertising. I'm going to do digital advertising, or I'm going to spend money on this. That can get really expensive. And uh, it, it, you can spend through a lot of money without having a measure. A lot of times, you'll, the, there's firms you can hire that'll say, okay, give me your digital marketing budget. We'll burn through each month and... 
will measure clicks and track and da 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 da. But you're like, well, how, how is that going to help me build my name and build so that I can go after and I can attract people I don't know? So uh, that's kind of the approach. So you look for ways that you can build up that credibility. So speaking and that is limited. So one of the things we've got into is basically crafting your controlled message, either as a byline piece, you know, an expert piece, tips and information like that, and then syndicating it out and placing it on thousands of news sites simultaneously. And that's one thing that we've been doing. Now, there's so many other tools you have. You can get yourself in, set up on podcasts. You can get yourself interviewed, different things. But how do you leverage that? You're limited on how many venues you can be on or things you can do with your time. Mm -hmm. So there's you personally doing it, radio interviews, TV interviews, this type of thing. Even with people setting it up for you, you can only cover so much. So how do you leverage that? So sometimes you can take an article you've done or a an expert piece you've done and then get that crafted into syndicated pieces that can go out even while you're talking like we are. That can be working for you to build credibility. Now, how do you do it in an effective way? There are really low-cost ways to do that where it gets crafted for you and gets distributed and then you get the proof of placement. So getting back to the, the original question, the, the strategy then, so right. obviously you have these different vehicles. You mentioned content syndication. You mentioned podcasting. There, there are others, obviously. Yes. But also that strategy that the message, the crafted byline, and the fact that you're now reaching out to people that don't know who the hell you are. And that's where the value is, right? And, and really understanding how are you going to appeal to them rather than all of your internal stakeholders that already know you. You have to have, you have to sit and think, what is it? that makes you unique and what is it that you have to offer? You've got to really, it's, it's again, crafting your message. And sometimes in the process of talking to a third party, whether it's a PR person, whether it's my editorial team, whether it's in the process, you flush out because you have somebody else looking at what you're saying and then trying to put it in words that, other people can clearly understand. A lot of people go, whoa, okay, that's really what I wanted to say. I didn't know how to say it because a lot of people are a little technical or they're a little so much into what they do and what they're saying that they can't really put it um, as clearly. So sometimes having a third party that can bounce that around, you flush out what you want to say. Yeah, no, that makes sense, Rick. And and I think that's why you were successful to begin with was that you could write those newspaper articles that would that would not only please the editor, but that would be that would people want to read and they'd respond to that, hey, for more information, send us a letter. So I think that's a that that's a unique skill set that that you have. That's you know, the the fruit of your the root of your success. So let's talk now about these multiple tactics for thought leadership. Yeah. You know, we were talking before speaking engagements. Obviously we have podcast, the byline articles, but is this just sort of a one-time thing or is this something just like social media or like search engine optimization? We have to be nurturing look, it, you know, every day. Look, people should be doing, utilizing every channel they have. I'm amazed how many people don't even 
put content up on their website. Sure. They don't put blog. They don't do blogs. They don't do any. And and I get it. A lot of people don't have the time to do that. And the other problem, the other challenge is a lot of times you're only talking to your own audience again. You're not really going further. It's a lot of times I've seen people put a lot of stuff up on their website, but then they don't have a strategy to then tell people it's there or communicate it out further. So it's part of part and parcel. So there are what you're getting at is there's many things you can do. And there's many people that go through this type of stuff. Uh, in my case, in, in the case of what we do, we're writing stories and you're proving them. You get to control the message and we're placing them nationwide. But then we're talking to you about how do you leverage it? How do those placements in the Boston Herald and the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and the, 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 how do you take those placements and then merchandise those out to your stakeholders? How do you then take those out and put them on your website as seen in dot, 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 and then that way people coming to your website go, okay, look at the additional credibility and the write-ups we're getting. And if you're getting placements across all 50 states, then you can talk to your people from Texas and Alaska and show them how you're giving them local support. And for startups, for startup companies, one of the challenges they have is they have limited budget and they need to make a splash. They need to show they're getting that someone is recognizing who they are. Well, maybe instead of doing a whole series of stories, they get one out there right away so that then it establishes and they got the write-ups and then they can balance and put out stuff ongoing as they feel more comfortable. It's really interesting. I mean, I guess when you think about it, I'm a big fan of looking at opportunities for visibility in this sort of digital first approach, this, this book I'm writing, but you know, it, it's search, it's social, it's email. And that search part, I mean, the internet provides tremendous opportunities a tremendous amount of people are consuming information there and searching for information there. And if you're just a startup website, you're not going to get any traction soon. But when you leverage popular websites, I'm assuming the, the content syndication you do is to popular websites. Yes. Um, that, that's just immediate attraction for, for lack of a better word. So putting uh, all those links right away. Yeah. You're going to have, you know, do follow links to come right off of the, the credible media websites back to your website. So you've got those immediately putting in place and that allows you to start building a foundation. Look, I'm not going to sit here and say it's the answer to everything because you're spending limited funds and you're getting, getting at least your foothold and you're establishing something. But from there you can build up. Uh, there's people who do uh, syndicated stories with us every single week, but some people do it quarterly or do it occasionally, or it could be some sort of marketing or PR agency that wants to light up a client quickly and mm -hmm. get thousands of placements on them. Incredible media that's still up there six months, a year later, that the client can then go back and check they're on all these new sites. So I want to dig a little bit deeper into this, this concept of content syndication, which obviously you're the expert in, of the concept of leveraging visibility opportunities by giving the media what they can use. So I'm assuming that you probably have a lot of clients and not every piece of client, maybe the client wants you to talk about this and maybe you have to push back saying this isn't what the media wants. So let's talk about how can we leverage these opportunities 
And what does the media want? What can they use? Look, at the end of the day, if you got to think of it this way, the, the media is concerned about their audience. They want their audience to have interesting articles and interesting things that they will read and that they want to read. So the key to do that is to give them what they want that's interesting. So people want things like tips and information that they ideally can't get anywhere else. In other words, five tips on this, five, one of the more successful articles we ever did is there was four tips for successful weight loss. And what was really good, it was from the American Barometric Society, which is basically the weight loss doctors. <laughs> the, the organization, the association of all these weight loss doctors was doing that. It wasn't some self-serving you know, brand that was trying to sell a, a miracle weight loss thing. So they were reviewing, peer reviewing what they were saying, and they were giving very valuable tips to people. And the newspapers loved that. And the audience liked reading it because it has great appeal. And sometimes it's, it's thought pieces because people talk about very interesting topics, whether it's on climate or crypto or on this or that, but they do it in an informed way. And then I like where my team of uh, editors and, and writers will bounce off different ideas to challenge you to end up coming up with something that's really interesting. And a lot of times you, you come in saying, oh, I really don't know what I talk about, or you have press release or materials. But by the time you're finished a little bit of an editorial session, you go, wait, okay, I, yeah, I could talk about that. Then we'll write it. You know, we'll write it from having that discussion with you. Yeah, there's tremendous value in that. I think what most businesses don't get that world. So case in point, I published my last book, The Age of Influence in March of 2020, right as we were going on lockdown. And I actually had a publicity consultant working with me. And she goes, Neil, if your book is not related to COVID, you're not going to get any coverage anywhere, even business press, wherever, right? So there's there's the need to understand how the media things, especially during different times of the year, probably like holiday marketing and things like that would be good if, if you know if you write marketing content like I do. But there's a role that that third party can play that understands the way the media works that most small businesses like myself and, and a lot of my clients don't. So I think that's a really great resource that you provide and, and a reminder that the content has to be resourceful. And this is just in general for any content marketing, any blogging. If you're just talking about yourself, you know, it's not going to work. And, and I think right. content syndication is something that I think we, in, in digital marketing, we talked a lot about it in the early days. We haven't talked about it recently, but it's really funny. And I'm going to be in, in complete disclosure here. I was actually accepted into what's called the Forbes Coaches Council. Sure. This is for fee syndication. I ended up not publishing with Forbes for various reasons. I recently accepted, well, my application to publish an entrepreneur magazine was accepted. This is content syndication. This is for fee, right? That I am paying them money for the privilege to publish X number of pieces of content on entrepreneur.com per year. So the concept of content syndication is not that weird. It's actually very common. And it's something that a lot of thought leaders are, are leveraging today. And you're providing a, a unique service that it, you know, it, I don't know if you include entrepreneur Forbes, but, but that concept, I, I just want everyone to know is very mainstream and a lot of companies, most PR agencies are using it. So don't be afraid to look 
deeper into it if this is something that interests you. Where can people go, Rick, if they want to find out more about News USA and how you can help them? Okay, so real And if simple. you want to comment on what I just said, go for it. Yeah, I mean, when you start offering people Forbes and um, an entrepreneur, the problem, the challenge is you have to charge them quite a bit of money for that. And if you try to shop around to even find how you can pay a contributor or pay the organizations directly for that, it just gets into the many, many thousands. Sometimes it's $10,000, you know, just for the one placement. And then the question is, are the links going to be do follow or are they going to be on their ad platform so that they have not follow like with Forbes, they used to have where the contributors were do follow links, but they stopped that because yeah. they wanted people to pay for the advertising side to do advertorial. But then a lot of small businesses went, Oh my God, $12,000 to get one article. And then how long is it going to be there? And then are people going to see it or is it going to be so buried? And then what can I do with it? So I, I what we're doing is we're charging you know, like something like $2 per placement, but I'm doing 2000 placements. So at any type of quantity, it gets pretty impressive and it's all inclusive. Look, I'm delivering one part of the puzzle. It's guaranteed help with writing and creating the story, placing the story, and then proving it back with images of the screenshots of every placement and live links to every placement. So in answer to your question, where do you go to find out more? Behind me, wait, behind me over here, it says News USA. So you go to newsusa.com, and on the site, you can even see my contact information, my email, our phone number, and reach us that way. Well, Rick, you are truly the king of content syndication. Thanks for joining us and sharing all your knowledge today. I think it is uh, an option that I haven't really talked about on this podcast. And a lot of marketers might not even today, they think of all these other things when uh, a potential solution. And, and as you said, it's not the answer to everything, but you know what? No one channel is the answer to everything. It's how all these things work together and how you leverage them. So thank you so much for sharing your expertise and experience with the audience. And yeah. I hope I hope the listeners, if they're interested, will reach out to you. Neil, thank you so much. I got to tell you, having guerrilla marketing, low cost, high impact stuff is kind of where I come from. So I got that you. sense in speaking with you. So thank you very much, sir. Thank you. All right. I hope you enjoyed that interview. Picked up a nugget or two, the entrepreneur.com opportunity that I talked about, it's funny because I'm actually trying to build up a stockpile of blog content before I accept it. So I've yet to accept it. So if you're looking for my blog content entrepreneur, it's not there yet. Hopefully they're still gonna accept my application even though I am paying a little bit late, but it is just another avenue to experiment with. It's all about various experiments and finding what works and what doesn't work. And if you haven't tried it, I recommend you do. So, hey, that's it for another episode. I hope, as always, this episode, your investing 20, 30, 40 minutes of your precious time with me will help give you a nugget of information that can help drive your business forward in the sage of influence, the sage of digital. And if your business needs a little helping hand, I'm really excited. I have been talking a lot 
both on this podcast as well as off this podcast about really investing more in video. And I'm really excited to announce I finally released a video. Well, I've actually released two videos so far on my YouTube channel this year, youtube.com slash Neil Schaefer. But the first episode I released, or I should say the first video I published this year is all about what is a fractional CMO. This is what I do for a living to help businesses. So if you're interested in how you can work with me, how I might be able to help you, I urge you to check out that video. And if you are a author, speaker, consultant like me, and you're curious about what a fractional CMO might be about, you should definitely check out this video. It's short, it's sweet, and hopefully it gives you some new insight as to how you might want to work with external resources. So I will put it out there uh, in the show notes. You'll have a link, but you can just go to youtube.com slash Neil Schaefer, and you should see it up there in my most recent one, two, or three videos. All right, that's it for another episode. As always, I'm honored by all your reviews, all of your sharing of the various podcast episodes. If you did not know, you can go to podcast.neilshafer.com and you can actually do a keyword search through all of my 245 episodes. There have been a lot of gems over the years. I've interviewed some incredible people. So I hope that that serves as a resource for you to find those episodes, especially if you are a relatively new listener to this podcast. Well, That's it for another episode. This is your digital marketing coach, Neil Schaefer, signing out. You've been listening to your digital marketing coach. Questions, comments, requests, links? Go to podcast.neilschaefer.com. Get the show notes to this and 200 plus podcast episodes and neilschaefer.com to tap into the 400 plus blog posts that Neil has published to support your business. While you're there, check out Neil's Digital First Group Coaching Membership Community if you or your business needs a little helping hand. See you next time on Your Digital Marketing Coach.